listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's talk Kirk Cousins. Take you around the league with a good friend of the program, Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated. Andy, as always, we appreciate the time. You break down tape. You're thoughtful with your analysis. Whomever gets Kirk Cousins, how good of a quarterback will they be landing this week? Well, it's interesting because I think Kirk Cousins' value is a little bit dependent on what you have around him. So, in my opinion, he if he goes, let's say he goes to the Vikings, and I that's who I would put my money on, I think he becomes a very valuable quarterback with that kind of a supporting cast and a balanced run-pass-oriented offense playing opposite an elite defense. If he were to be signed by the Jets, a team that has almost no weapons and a makeshift offensive line, I don't think there's much value in that at all because Kirk Cousins in and of himself, he's not someone that transforms your offense. So he's a plug-in type of QB. And what's interesting is this year, there are uh, there are two teams really. It's Denver and Minnesota that view themselves as Super Bowl-ready with the defenses they have, yet they need a quarterback to plug in. And there just happens to be one on the market, which never happened. So it'll be fascinating to see. Um, I think there are two Kirk Cousins. If you're signing him as a plug-in guy, that's great, and that's going to cost you a lot of money still. If you're signing him as the other Kirk Cousins or the superstar that you're hoping he is, he's never been that. He's not that, and and you're still going to pay a lot of money. So it'll depend on who signed him. Andy, when you look at the 49ers and and actually grabbing – Richard Sherman, uh, how complex is that that deal considering that he's coming off of an Achilles uh, injury and knowing how old he is and and how many years of it is guaranteed when it comes down to when he steps on the football field, how impactful he could probably be? Yeah, the bottom line with the way the contract is structured is if Richard Sherman's on the field and he's performing at a near Richard Sherman type of level that we've come to see, he's going to get paid a lot of money. And if he, if he doesn't, he's going to get paid very little money. So both sides kind of hedged on that one, and I understand it, and I understand Sherman doing that, and I certainly understand the Niners doing that. The thing to remember about Sherman is there were subtle signs of decline in his game before the Achilles injuries. And maybe that had to do with, remember he had a knee injury, injury a few years ago, it very well could have had to do with that. And some of his change of direction ability diminished, and he got vulnerable a little bit for a while there on in-breaking routes, so dig routes, slant patterns. Uh, he was vulnerable there. Now he's coming off the Achilles. He, you know, it's, it's, I'm not optimistic about it. I hope he's good. I hope he's effective because he's been a, a plus entity for the league, and he's been a tremendous player. Um, and he is going to a Niners scheme that's very similar to the one he played in Seattle. And I'm sure that was a factor on both sides making this deal. So we'll see how it plays out. But, I mean, Cordell, you know, I mean, coming off, of, you, know, you know how hard it is to come off any major injury. To be a cornerback coming off two Achilles surgeries, I don't know how that can be done. But, you know, unfortunately for me, I'm just a guy that has to sit and watch this stuff. I don't have to go do it. <laughs> Chatting with Andy Benoit of Sports Illustrated. Andy, with Jimmy Graham moving on from Seattle, looking for a new team to play for, where do you think the tight end is at this stage of his career? 
He is strictly a receiver. So whoever signs him, they're going to be signing him as an oversized wide receiver for all intents and purposes. A very good slot one, one who's big enough that he could line up next to your offensive tackle as a tight end and run routes. But you're not signing him for his blocking. That became even more apparent with every passing game in Seattle. And then that's not to say you won't have him run block from time to time. But his value is strictly as a receiver. So a team that needs a flexible, big receiving target, that's who's going to sign Jimmy Graham. And I think, ironically, the the one team that stands out the most to me would be the New Orleans Saints. And what Jimmy Graham could give them in their passing game and the dimension when he's on the field with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, those three guys and where you line them up, that would be a very difficult equation to deal with. So I would like, I would love to see him go to an offense like that. One of these teams that already has another versatile uh, tight end or another versatile running back in the passing game to make Jimmy Graham an ultra flex player. Andy, when you when you look at what's taking place in Cleveland, obviously we see Landry Jones um, actually getting grabbed. Um, Jarvis Landry, excuse me, Jarvis Landry being one of the players being grabbed from Miami. Then also you have Tyrod Taylor. When you look at the quarterback position, do you see them actually grabbing some, a quarterback maybe at the fourth spot, assuming that they're going to actually grab Saquon Barkley at the number one spot? I would be surprised if they don't draft a quarterback. Tyrod Taylor does not move the meter. He's an NFL backup, and and they signed him as probably a bridge guy in the event that they need him to play right away. Uh, I get that. That was a very limited offense schematically last year, and that was a big, big cross. The reason the Browns didn't win any games. And I've heard part of that was because they just didn't have much football IQ at the wide receiver position. And so we, you lose your shifts and your pre-snap motions and all your complexity when that's the case. Well, if Tyron Taylor's your quarterback, you're going to have that same issue again because that's the type of offense he ran in Buffalo. And that's, that's the reason Buffalo toyed with benching him for a while. They didn't have anyone to replace him with, so he stayed on the field. But Tyron Taylor's not the solution. He's not going to change anything in Cleveland. Now, the guy who could would be Landry because he is a high football IQ guy. He does give you the element of pre-snap motion and shifting. He gives your scheme some schematic dimension. You're not just lining up and playing when you have them. You're doing things tactically to influence the defense. But for that to be the full value, for Landry to give you all that he's worth in that regard, you need probably one more smart wide receiver out there with him, and you need a quarterback that can manage the entire field. Andy Benoit, Sports Illustrated, is our guest on the NFL on Tune. And Andy, now that the Rams have added both Marcus Peters and Akeem Talib, how talented, yet at the same time potentially combustible, could that secondary be in Southern California? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. I and mean, that is, I heard someone refer to it as a powder keg of a secondary. <laughs> I thought that was a great term. Those are two really talented players. They're both off coverage corners who will make plays on the ball versus making plays on the receiver. So what what the Rams need to understand, and I think what Wade Phillips will understand, he's been around a while and he's he's coached to lead before, is they're going to give up some plays. They're, they're going to get beat a few times. They'll have some explosive plays against them. It's going to look bad. But they're also going to make some big plays. And what the, the X factor in all of this, is the Rams believe they have a four-man pass rush that can get to the quarterback. And when you have that, it's Aaron Donald who leads that, obviously. And I would imagine they're going to sign or draft some other guys to, to 
further that pass rush. But when you have that, those off-coverage corners can become very valuable because the pass rush affords them more opportunities to jump routes, and they can be aggressive because the ball is coming out quicker. It's coming out on the defensive schedule rather than the quarterback schedule. So stylistically, Tlaib and Peters, I don't know if I'd want to have both of them together. I I think they're better if there's a solid, reliable corner opposite them. But the idea of having both of them together, if you have a good pass rush, that can be a very dangerous playmaking tandem. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think the Rams need to go get one or two more true pass rushers, though, to really ensure that they're going to have that equation. Staying within that division, you have the, the Seattle Seahawks with, obviously, we just mentioned Richard Sherman. Michael Bennett is going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Cam Chancellor not coming back. Earl Thomas may be gone. And then Jimmy Graham. Uh, we may end up seeing him maybe in a place like a Green Bay Packers football team. Uh, give me a take on how this is going to restructure everything and how this team looks in Seattle. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's just a rebuilding stage. I mean, it, it kind of snuck up on us a little bit, but here it is. And it's unfortunate the way it came about. A lot of these guys have injury issues. Sherman had it. Chancellor and Cliff Averill have had the neck problems that might end their careers. I didn't think Michael Bennett was washed up at all. I thought Philadelphia got a really good deal on that. Uh, but they were clearly wanting to move on from them and reshuffle a lot of that defense in Seattle. So it's a whole different equation now. It's Russell Wilson's team total. Not that it wasn't before, but they no longer have a defense that they can rely on to win the game for them. So they need that. Now they're relying on Russell Wilson to do that. And that's a different equation. And I don't know how well that's going to go because I think Russell Wilson's at his best when he is complimented by a power running game. And a power running game must be complimented by a great defense. So it all works together. We'll see how it goes. What's interesting is they changed so many of the coaches as well. But the guy in charge of all of it who's old, he's in his mid-60s, he's old by NFL coaching standards, Pete Carroll, he's still there. So he wanted to see the the change and – I've heard he gets re-energized by that kind of thing. He likes the culture of change. He better because he's got a big one now. Andy, great information as always. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. You got it. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on TuneIn.